What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And we are making some real progress here in these position preview episodes. We are now to the really deep uh, positions with lots and lots of names to discuss. We've got outfield tonight. Then we're going to have pitchers, starting pitchers, uh, coming some next week at some point. So uh, these are some long lists of rankings, Bart. Have, or have you done your research? Oh, uh, well, I've have I done research? Yeah. When I'm not when I'm not doing research, I mean, I don't even know what I have time else for. I have been reading a little bit, but uh, you know, some sci-fi novels and stuff like that. But most for the most part, I'm just doing research and writing all these notes that we're we're posting on rosrankings.com as we go, which was a nice touch. So check out the site. If you haven't already, you know, we're Andrew and I are posting these uh, positional previews as we go. That's right. And, uh, hey, at, at the very least, it's very good prep for our fantasy draft, which is coming up in March. We will be uh, extra prepared uh, this season for that. Um, but, yeah, it's we were just talking before we got on air here that uh, spring training games are right around the corner. So mm-hmm. it's still February, but it's it's baseball season. It's officially here. So that's oh. that's pretty exciting, even even though the uh, new uniforms are horrendously bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I was looking at Twitter earlier and saw like how the pants are like see through and all this. Like, what is going on with the with the, do they, is there a new manufacturer or someone for yeah, the Nike for the... and Fanatics? I guess are doing it together. But um, I, yeah, I mean these th- these new uniforms, it's crazy. Like, I don't understand how this got approved because. <laughs> Like it really looks like little league uniforms. Like, yeah. I, and I thought it was bad enough when I saw like the lettering on the back of the uniforms, and that it just looked like ironed on, you know, like ironed on little league right. uniforms. And you know, people were pointing to like I, I don't know if you saw the Great Britain uniforms that they had during the uh, oh World yeah baseball classic, but like it's kind of looked like that, you know, <laughs> just really <laughs> crappy, cheap quality. Uh, but then, sort of the the cherry on top, the chef's kiss, if you will was uh that it's now clear that the pants are basically see-through <laughs> right because you could like see the the shirt tucked into the pants terrible like, how, how is that gonna happen i like oh my god hopefully this is just for spring training they're just working the kinks out in spring training i don't think so but maybe they're <laughs> gonna have to make some drastic last minute changes here i mean go back to the old uniforms you know i was watching my Probably my favorite, one of my favorite players of all time, uh, Rich Hill, who is, uh, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. He's like my alter ego because he is my age and he uh, is from Massachusetts like I am. He went to yep. Michigan like I did. He's a junk ball <laughs> pitcher like I was. So, like, he's really me, uh, except in, you know, actually in the major leagues. Uh, and left, left-handed. left And yeah. left-handed, yeah. So it's like bizarro <laughs> Andrew, I guess. <laughs> so I love Rich Hill, but he was he was going off on this topic. So if you if you <laughs> haven't seen that, you should go check check out uh, his – I he was on some podcast. But, um, but yeah, he, he, uh, he was speaking that, you know, the truth, that these, the players deserve real uniforms, not, not whatever this crap is. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not wearing a uniform tonight. I'm wearing, I guess I'm wearing my uniform. I'm wearing one of my, I don't know, five or six Orioles shirts underneath this jacket here, which I almost always am. Uh, and, but, you know, we're doing outfielders tonight. I don't know how deep we're going to go today. Uh, you know, we, we might have to get into the 30s or 40s if we want to talk about a Baltimore outfielder. Uh, there's a lot more names to talk about. Uh, we've talked about a lot of Baltimore guys in the infield, but 
Outfield, uh, we have a lot of other names to talk about before we get to the Orioles, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's safe to say, but th- that's okay. The Orioles have plenty of uh, good players that we discussed on the infield position preview, so go back yep. and give a listen to those if you haven't heard them already. Um, yeah, we'll see. Bart and I both have notes and rankings for over 90 outfielders here, so we're not going to get to 90 on this show most likely, but we will keep an eye on the clock, see how we're going, whether it's <laughs> 20, 30, or 40 on this show. We'll see, but let's jump into it. Uh, you know, we'll begin as we always do with the, the big picture, uh, strategy around this position. There's been a lot of talk, um, in fantasy circles about, uh, outfield just being a pretty shallow position. You know, I said deep, it's deep because you need to start at least three of them. And in Mm -hmm. some leagues you need to start five of them. So really when you're talking about the number 12 player at another position, that's like talking about the number 36 or the number 60 player at this position so you you have to go a lot deeper but in terms of um the where the talent lies uh it is sort of a top heavy position um wouldn't you agree yeah it is and uh you know in these other, the other position previews i talked about how i really like to get one of the top five first basemen you know uh, preferably in round two we talked about maybe one of the top three third basemen uh so you obviously can't get all of them and we alluded to outfield right like I started working on my overall rankings, which I know we're going to post, you know, here in a week or two. And I don't have any starting pitchers in my first round because, I mean, part of the reason is because some of these outfielders. I mean, you have to you have so much like five category juice with some of these guys, and then even the four category guys. It's like you know Aaron Judge and Jordan Alvarez. We'll get to all the names, but it's like the four category guys are just like mammoth, you know, numbers. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I just think like these guys all feel like first rounders to me, whereas. I don't want to like, I don't want to take Garrett Cole in the first round. And I know we're not doing pitchers yet, but like, I just think you want to get one of these outfielders in the first round or two if you can. And we'll get into some of those kind of second or third round guys. But I think after the first three rounds, you almost need one of these outfielders because it does fall off a bit. I think it falls off a lot. Um, And I think that's the main reason that people are saying outfield is uh, weaker compared to some other positions because. I don't actually completely agree with that sentiment so much because the way I look at it is that uh, this this position has, like you were just referencing, some of the best players in all of fantasy at the top of it. I mean, you yeah. can go basically 10 deep at this position and be talking about uh, fantasy monsters, you know, guys who all could make a case to be first-round picks mm-hmm. all at this one position. I don't think you see that at any other position. Um, so... You know, but then after that, there is a very steep drop off, and I think that middle tier of outfielders is is very questionable and weak, and I think that's why people uh, feel that way about this position. But I, but then I feel like the depth of the position does actually kind of show itself later. I mean, uh, again, we use Yahoo position eligibility here, so that's the most lenient uh, rankings uh, or eligibility. Five games uh, started last season would get you eligibility at a position so um there's a lot of names uh to look at and i you know ranking 90 guys i still was looking at interesting players a lot further Mm -hmm. down the list so i think there's a lot of players who can help you to some degree later it's just if you don't get you know like in our keeper league I, i have basically three of the top you know outfielders there are i mean i've got um Kyle Tucker, Mookie Betts, and Michael Harris in that league. And I feel pretty good about that because 
there's not other players like that <laughs> after yeah. you know like they they are they do give you something a, a, a distinctive advantage if you can load up on these these high end guys but what I wouldn't do is sort of chase the position if um, if you don't end up uh, filling your outfield spots early you know the middle rounds are probably a, a place to avoid and then you just kind of got to take some shots on some guys uh, late yeah I would agree and like you mentioned three out if you're in a three outfielder league which is most people probably. Um, it doesn't mean you can't draft five or six outfielders. I mean, because there are a lot of guys late. I, I agree with you. As I got into the the 70s, the 80s, I start moving guys up. You know, I I have I have certain guys. We'll get to the deep guys. Maybe maybe this episode, maybe another one. But there's certain guys I kept moving up, and it's like I, I probably have them 20 spots ahead of where they need to be. But I, they're going to be guys I, I reach a little bit. Uh, you know, after maybe I've got my third outfielder, I'm going to still get a couple other guys who I just think could be. Sleepers. I mean, there's there's guys like Lane Thomas and TJ Friedel who last year we were barely ranking, you know, and now they're top thirty, top forty type outfielders. So there mm-hmm. are those guys. There's young guys. There's there's rookies, you know, we'll, that we'll talk about. I don't know how high. I'm curious to see how high you have certain rookies. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll dig into all that. But yeah, I, I agree. There is a lot of depth because there's just so many to choose from. Yeah, and as always, don't just get too caught up on the rankings alone because they, there's a lot of context to the to rankings. So. Mm-hmm. You know, especially as we get later in the rankings, for me, I, it's more categories of types of, of outfielders that you can get. So then you just need to think about what you need. You know, do you need uh, a high floor, low ceiling kind of across the board contributor? Uh, or do you need like a power bat? Do you need steals? Do you need a boomer bust um, guy that has injury risk? Do you need a boomer bust rookie that could be great or could not even get called up? You know, so. Um, so that's kind of season to taste in terms of what kind of a league you're in, you know, um, some, some leagues are really deep and, uh, you just, you just need that consistency from players and that's, and guys that get, you know, 600, 700 plate appearances have a ton of value in those formats just cause they play, you know, or yeah. if you play in an AL only or an NL only league, just having warm bodies becomes an important thing uh, to, to accomplish. But if you play in a 10 or 12 team, uh, mixed league like like we do and like most people do um, it often makes sense to shoot for upside so uh, mm-hmm. so you might you might pass on some you know more reliable guys knowing that there'll be guys like that on the waiver wire throughout the season yep I would agree um, all right you want to go ahead and get to the tiers yeah let's do it and uh, I, I I'm not going to break any ground here I think Ronald Acuna has to be in a tier of his own based on what he did last season do you agree with that what yeah of course um (laughs) i mean yeah he's in a tier of his own i mean like ronald cunha jr you know he stole 73 uh bases last season to add to his other incredible numbers and uh, i mean he could he could probably win the triple crown if he didn't bat lead off you know if he was batting third or something and who knows maybe if michael harris is still batting ninth maybe he can uh still drive in a ton of runs but regardless like if you're in an auction league this is the only note i was going to say about acuna is like if you're in an auction league break the bank like do a stars and scrubs type thing if you can i don't know what he's going with it depends on what your budget is and all that but i would love to try to get him uh number one of course uh yeah he's in a tier of his own yeah just to put some context to just how dominant his season was last year um you know i talk about baseball monster on this show sometimes they do uh Basically, they they have a use standard deviations uh, statistical nerd talk uh, to to evaluate <laughs> the value in five by standard five by five leagues of players, and 
uh, Ronald Acuna's numbers last year gave him a value of 3.19 standard deviations away from from the the average. Uh, hmm. Like so, that is the the highest number. They're they're you can look at their uh, numbers going back to the year 2000. And that is the highest number that they've had since the year 2000. So he has had he had the most dominant season in five by five leagues since at least the year 2000, and probably quite a bit uh, earlier than that. But it was kind of fun just to go back and look at that. I mean, like in the year 2000, that was one of the most dominant seasons, also by Pedro Martinez. That was the year where he hmm. had a 174 ERA, a .74 WHIP, 18 wins, and 284 strikeouts. Uh, yeah. Pretty darn good, but not as good as Ronald Acuna was last season. So, yeah, I mean, there's just there's him and there's everybody else. I mean, he he's basically twice as valuable as everybody else. And one Don Zimmer body slam. No, I don't know if that was the same year. <laughs> yeah, I don't but. know. I don't know. Do you get bonus <laughs> points for that in some formats? <laughs> uh, it, it reminds me of like a couple seasons ago, like how Travis Kelsey was so much better than all the other tight ends, or. You know, in fantasy football, if you go back to like some of the Ladanian Tomlinson years, or yeah, it, it was a very special year uh, versus everyone else. So yeah, he, now it's very hard to repeat, right? I mean, like we've seen that. You know, we do fantasy football as well, and I I rarely will rank a guy, you know, one year to the next. You know, Jeff, Justin Jefferson at wide receiver, it's like, well, it probably won't be him. Doesn't mean you can't put Ronald Acuna here at, at number one because it's it's just. To me, it's hot takey if you if you put someone else here. So yeah, he's number one easily. Yeah, I mean, he could just afford a lot of regression and still be number one. So that's why he has he to be in a tier of his own. I think. I mean, it's true. The forty-one home runs he hit last year tied his career high, which was set in twenty nineteen. So it'd been, uh, you know, of course he's had injuries since then, but it had been a while since he hit forty-one home runs. The seventy-three steals were double <laughs> what he had ever done before. And you just can't bet on anyone to steal 70 bases year after year anyway. That's just rarely happens. Even with these new rules, uh, I don't expect uh, to see anyone in baseball steal 70 bases this year. Um, if there is one person, it it probably won't be him. Just odds are against it. So that's that's probably not going to happen. And last year was the first year he ever hit over 300, believe it or not. So yeah, uh, he, he's a 292 lifetime hitter. So he does hit for a decent average for sure. But he had 337 last year. So, yeah, there's going to be across-the-board regression, almost guaranteed. He had 149 runs, for Pete's sake. I mean, like, <laughs> this is not happening again. But it doesn't matter. He's still so far leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. And, I mean, he, he's going to score a ton of runs again. I mean, everyone thinks the Braves are going to be good again. That lineup's awesome, you know, if he's batting leadoff, like I said. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the being in the Braves lineup has been sort of the tiebreaker for other positions. So, of course, you know, Cunha's up there and he he very well could steal close to that many runs again uh, i was just looking at uh, sorting on fan graphs outfielders by wins above replacement and i see he had 8.3 mookie betts is 8.3 as well so that's interesting uh now mookie betts is in this next tier for me if you want to get into the next tier i'm curious how many you have in this next tier of outfielders and what kind of order you have them and i i think we probably have some similar names here well we, um, we certainly will have some similar names it's just a question of whether we have it exactly the same or not. Um, I, in this next tier, it goes for me from two to eight. Uh, so okay. I have I have Julio Rodriguez at two, Corbin Carroll at three, Kyle Tucker at four, Mookie Betts, the aforementioned Mookie Betts at five, Fernando Tatis at six, Juan Soto at seven, and Aaron Judge at eight. Uh, how does oh, that so look compared to your tier? So 
my tier, I have the exact same number two through six, uh, starting with Julio and going down to Tatis, but then I have the Yankees switched. I actually have Judge and then Soto. Um, and I and my tiers are a little different. I actually have Julio, Carroll, Kyle Tucker, and Mookie Betts as a tier. And then I mm-hmm. kind of start another tier with Tatis and Judge. And honestly, it's it's tough. Like, you know, Tatis probably belongs in this tier because of the five-category juice. Uh, Judge, I'm not so sure. He's going to, you know, have the stolen bases there. But, of course, he had, you know, he's likely to hit 50 home runs and <laughs> bat 280. So, I mean, that's kind of what I was talking about at the top of the show with the five category versus the mammoth four category. So, I tried to I tried to kind of sep- have a little bit of a separation there. But, yeah, we have pretty similar tiers here. Yeah, I thought about putting Soto and Judge in a, in a lower tier just because of, like you said, um, maybe not the same level of a five-category uh, production. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, Soto does run a bit, and I think he'll continue to. And uh, I think, you know, just going to New York is going to be a, a boost for him, I think. Um, you know, he was still quite good, of course, um, in San Diego last year. Uh, after kind of a disappointing 2022 season. But, um, you know, the numbers he put up last year were basically identical to what he did in 2019. Um, 275, 97 runs, 35 homers, 109 RBIs, 12 steals. Um, So maybe he's, like, sacrificed some batting average for power, but I think that left-handed power should really play well at Yankee Stadium. So I I could see him going over 40 homers and – um, if, if he does do that, then maybe his stat line looks pretty similar actually to, to what Mookie Betts is doing. Yeah. Those 35 home runs for Soto was a career high. And, and like you said, it's in San Diego plus other ballparks, but yeah, that, that, that home park now in, in Yankee stadium is certainly going to help Soto. So yeah, he's number eight for me. I put judge ahead of him just because of the, the super high upside with home runs. You know, the guy can hit 60, 70 <laughs> home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, now I didn't like hearing what he said about the toe recently is like that's going to be something he's going to have to manage the rest of his career don't like to hear that but um i mentioned ladanian tomlinson coincidentally at the top like he was someone who dealt with turf toe a ton you know like uh, i don't know if it's going to be something like turf toe but like guys guys manage injuries like that and then continue to have a a good career but judge is getting up there in age so i didn't like that comment but i do like you know the production i just think like that 16 stolen base year for judge in 2022 is probably an outlier so I, I have I have him him in the in the tier with Soto and I also have Jordan Alvarez at number nine. So I have Jordan and Judge kind of similar because of this the elite four category production. Yeah, I can see that. I don't really expect the stolen bases to come back uh for Judge either. I just think I mean, like you said, he could hit twenty more home runs than Jordan Alvarez, you know. So he could. to me that's that's kind of the difference there. Um you know, Judge only hit 267 last season, um, but he did hit 311 the year before. So his his batting average probably falls somewhere in between there. Um, I, I think there's, I think it's fair. I mean, his strikeout rate was up last year too, so I, I think it's fair to wonder what his batting average will look like this year as well. And then he, of course, does have the injury concerns. You know, even before the toe injury, I mean, he's just had his fair share of injuries over his career so far so I think the questions about his batting average his steals and his health are all valid but Mm -hmm. I like you said just the immense upside of the home run and run production numbers I I think um to me puts him in a different tier from from Alvarez um who I think has maybe even more injury risk um but we'll get to him in in a minute we should uh we should we shouldn't shortchange these uh these top end guys first though right 
yeah, we should go back up to Julio. Julio and the gang. Um, yeah, I mean, Julio, I have him too, right, right there with you. He followed up his Rookie of the Year campaign with an even better, really, sophomore year. So um, it just seems like a 30, 30 home run, 30 stolen bases is kind of like the floor for a fully healthy season for him. Um, I don't think he can steal as many bases as Acuna, but he could go 40-40. Like, he has this – I mean, you know, he's still so young, and I just think, like, he has so much upside – um, and I just I like him more than a guy like Corbin Carroll who stole stole more bases, but Corbin Carroll kind of declined with the power. You know, it faded down the stretch a little bit last season. So with Carroll, it's like you're getting elite speed, but I just I'm not as sure about the power. So I think Julio can give you both, and that's kind of why I have Julio two and Carroll three. Yeah, I've, I, to me that was pretty clear that I've I thought Julio should be ahead of Carroll. I also worry about injury with Carroll. I mean, he had that shoulder issue last year that was a, yeah. a brief scare and it ended up not costing him time, but it, it looked really bad when it happened. And mm-hmm. so I just, I feel like that's kind of in the back of the mind a little bit as well. Um, but you know, the thing about Carroll, I think is that he's the best bet outside of Acuna and maybe Bobby Wood jr. To post a 30 home or 50 stolen base season. So yeah, um, I couldn't move him lower than three, even though I do feel like he has a little bit of risk. Um, don't have much to add on Julio. I, I just, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, that's that's my thinking, too. It's like you look at the numbers he did last year, really awesome across the board, and did it at 22 years old. So there is potential for maybe even better numbers um, as he uh, matures uh, to his age 23 season. Right. It's like there's another level potentially with Julio. So he, I, I, I just feel like I had to put him up there. Whereas like Kyle Tucker, I have him at four. You have him at four, too. I mean, he's just he's he's gotten better. <laughs> I mean, it's it's impressive. You know, his his K rate decreased and walk rate increased for I don't know the third or fourth year in a row. It just like it's incredible. And he was one home run shy of a thirty thirty season. His batting average bounced back, so he had a really good, really good season. And uh, if he could bat like third in the lineup regularly, his counting stats could improve. We could see that. Uh, that's that's speculating at this point. But you know, if people are listening to this episode and it's getting closer to opening day and you're doing your draft mid-March, you might know that just from kind of spring training and stuff. So I think if he moves up from fifth or sixth, which he was, he's been doing the last couple of years, which seems crazy, if he bats third or four, probably not fourth, but if he bats third, um, that, could, that could only help his, his counting stats. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think when you look at it, honestly, like there's not, there's not a ton of difference between uh, Julio Rodriguez's production and Kyle Tucker's. I mean, I think it's going to be – the most likely scenario is that their numbers are very similar. It's just mm-hmm. you, you would you would say you probably expect Julio to steal a few more bases, um, and maybe he maybe he has more power or upside. Um, but again, like I think the main difference between them is just that Julio's going into his age twenty three season and he's already done yeah. this, and C- Tucker's twenty seven. So I feel like Tucker is like one of the safest, most reliable elite players that you can get. Absolutely. Like if you're in the middle of your draft in the middle, you know, number five, number six pick, and you can get Kyle Tucker or Mookie Betts, who's the next on our list. Like it's just such a safe, solid pick. And Mookie, you know, we talked about him on the second base preview. We sprinkled him in a little bit on the shortstop preview because he's eligible there too. So you can go back and listen to what we kind of said in detail, but like just the position eligibility is just a nice bonus for Mookie Betts. It's a big bonus because it, what it does is it makes you not have to decide when you when you use your first round pick 
you don't have to decide what position he's going to play. You can let the right. draft come to you more and see where the value is. You know, I mean, if one of these other top outfielders falls to you in the second round, you could say, I'm going to take another outfielder because then I can always just <laughs> play bets at second base or shortstop if I, uh, if I decide to do that. Or you can just want to, you know, get two elite outfielders early on, you know, so it, it gives you all these, all these options and flexibility and, likely there'll be a, a, a point later in your draft, like in the 10th round or the 12th round, where you can take someone uh, because you took Mookie Betts at the top. And you can say, oh, I'll just slot Betts over here instead of there, you know, and, and take this guy that fell too far, and I'm mm-hmm. getting a good deal there. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a added bonus uh, with Betts, even though, um, you know, there's not a clear answer to which position you should play him in, I think, this season. Like, because... Um, there's pluses and minuses to all of these positions and, uh, and you know, he fits in pretty well anywhere. Yeah. Just depends on how the draft goes, like you said. And the the reason that I kind of broke it off there at a a tier and then my next tier starts with Tatis is really just what we were just talking about. The safety of Kyle Ducker and Mookie Betts. It makes me Mm -hmm. feel like uh, great Tatis. I mean, he's had some serious injuries. He had the PED stuff. Like we haven't seen, seen him be like this elite top five player since 2021, but we know he can be that. So, like, certainly if you have a top pick, if you have a top three pick and you're like, I want Fernando Tatis, by all means, take him. You know, like, he's he could be Julio. Um, so, like, that's fine. It's just if I'm sitting there in the draft, I'm t- probably taking those other guys first. And I, I don't think I've ever had Fernando Tatis in a league because he's always gone super high. Um, and this year is no different. I probably am not going to get him because um, I think other people will probably take him with a top five pick because he's so exciting and he's a five-tool player. And his expected batting average of 282 last year is more in line with his career stats, so he can probably bounce back in the batting average just to add to all his other stats. Yeah, no, that's true. I, you know, I don't, I just don't know if he's that much more risky than Corbin Carroll is because, hmm? you know, he yeah. got his shoulder repaired surgically, uh, and then he came back from the PED suspension last year and basically stayed healthy the whole season. Uh, he did. Whereas, you know, Carroll <laughs> had that shoulder issue and it it hasn't been. F- fix so you hope it doesn't come back uh so you can look at it different ways you know um Mm -hmm. but for me like i'll concede that there is risk with tatis but i also feel like his upside is as high as just about anybody um except for maybe acuna but um but yeah i mean like he could just he's another guy he's only going to be 25 this season so like we may not have seen his best season yet and He's already shown he can hit 42 home runs in a season. He can steal 30 bases. Uh, he can hit uh, over 300 if if things go right for him. So, mm-hmm. like, he, the, basically, he could just put up absurd numbers if he stays healthy and has a great year. Um, so, yeah, I feel like his upside is uh, un, like it it outweighs the risk for me and and makes him belong in this in this tier with these other guys. Yep, and and again, I mentioned our overall rankings, which we'll get to you know in a week or so. A uh, week or two, but like all these guys we've talked about so far are first round picks to me, including Judge, including Soto. I'm debating about Alvarez versus a uh, Jose Ramirez, maybe you know Freddie Freeman's in that first round for me. So like, there's some there's some debate maybe internally for me right now with like a guy like Jordan, but like all these other guys are first round picks. So I don't think you can go wrong. You know, we already kind of talked about Judge a little bit. It's like if you have a top five or six pick and you want to take Aaron Judge, it's okay. Like I'm not going to do that. There's some other guys I like better, but like all these guys are are worthy of that high pick. 
Yeah, and Judge was actually the most valuable player in all of fantasy in 2022. So, like, right. that was another reason I had to put him in this tier. I mean, I, I like, I agree that, again, like, I don't expect that because I don't expect the steals uh, that he had in 2022. And that was kind of what pushed him up to the very top. But first round production, I think he can do that uh, as, yeah, long as, sure. his, as long as he stays healthy. I mean, that's, to me, the bigger concern. Um, now, you keep mentioning Alvarez. And uh, yeah. I, I actually have Michael Harris ahead of Alvarez. I have them in a tier together. Um, But Alvarez kind of, yeah, he he worries me a little bit in certain ways. Um, Like, I just, I do feel like the injury risk with him is is pretty significant. Um, Like, he's just going to miss time. Like, he always misses time. Um, Yeah. You know, so like, and, and it tends to be a decent amount of time. I mean, like, you know, He's averaged 131 games played over the last three seasons. So you're basically talking about him missing a month every year for the last yep. three seasons. Um, so that's that's a, a problem. And then, of course, he offers, you know, we say some guys don't steal. And it's, you know, they get like four steals or something. He has two <laughs> steals in his entire career. <laughs> you know, like he's a literal zero in steals. Um, yep. So that that's kind of an issue, too. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of his batting average, like it, it's fluctuated some. I mean, it's good, certainly, but he's not like he's not likely to hit like 320 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like he'll yeah. he'll probably be hitting in that 290 to 300 range, maybe close to 300. So, like, I don't want to I'm not saying like don't draft him. He is a four category monster. I just think you're talking about a guy with that offers nothing in steals and is going to miss a month basically. So uh, for me, like Harris, uh, if Harris was in the, at the top of the order, like I might even be pushing to put him in the next tier up. Cause I, I think like we haven't seen the best yet from Harris and it could come at any time. And like, I mean, he's just, uh, he's put together great across the board production. It's just that he hasn't, had the big run in RBI numbers because of where he's been hitting in the lineup. That's the main thing. And he hasn't had a full season of games yet either. But, um, you know, I would certainly expect him to play more games than Alvarez this season. Um, and, you know, I, you, you mentioned him hitting ninth. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they've realized that he shouldn't be hitting ninth. Um, realistically, he'll probably be hitting sixth. Um, yeah. And maybe you know, he ends up moving up if uh, if somebody gets hurt or something like that. But otherwise, he might kind of be stuck at sixth. But that's not such a bad thing in a lineup as good as, as the Braves. I mean, the big thing is just getting the additional plate appearances. I mean, I, I kind of feel like wherever you're batting in this lineup, you're going to have an opportunity to drive in runs and to score runs. So it's more just about plate appearances uh, for Harris. Um, so I'm hoping he sticks at sixth. But um, I, I don't know. For me, it's more about it's more about Alvarez because I do I do think there is a tier a pretty significant teardrop here. But after Judge, um, but for me, it's just I, I have a tier of four players here actually because I, I have Harris, Alvarez, Adalas, Garcia, and Luis Robert all in this tier. So hmm. um, yeah, I just uh, I think you can make a case for all of these guys. Like, um, and I understand like the 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 reason you would you would pair Alvarez with Judge and Soto, um, yeah. I just I personally just vastly prefer the other two over him. Um, so uh, you know I think the drawbacks for him kind of push him down into this tier for me. 
Yeah, and the injury concerns are are real. I mean, you're right. Like, and and we haven't seen him hit 40 home runs yet in a season. I mean, he certainly could if he could play 150 games. Um, and I mentioned Acuna and Triple Crown. Like Jordan Alvarez is the guy who really could, you know, hit for the Triple Crown. Um, because you don't need to steal bases <laughs> for that. Um, and he, yeah, he'll bat 300. You know, like Freddie Freeman. But I'm gonna draft Freddie Freeman ahead of Jordan. You know, in the first round because Freeman had the steals. Freeman is a little bit more of an Iron Man, uh, it, you know. Knock on wood, <laughs> like he's you know he hasn't really dealt with the injury. So, yeah, like if we're talking Jordan versus a Freddie Freeman, for instance, I'm going Freeman all day. Um, yeah, you're right about the injury concern. Michael Harris is interesting. I have him uh, not next after Jordan. I have Luis Robert and then Michael Harris. And all your points about Michael Harris, yeah, like if <laughs> if before opening day there is an injury and he's batting leadoff or second or something, then yeah, I would probably adjust him. Uh, right there, right there with Soto, um, or or Judge and Tatis, like he'd be in that tier for sure. But the batting sixth or seventh or ninth even is uh, certainly concerning. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's something to monitor. Yeah, I just have trouble like downgrading a guy that much for his lineup spot because I feel like that's such yeah. a, it's it's such a fickle thing. Like it could change at any time for a number of different reasons. You know, and it's it's a decision the team is making. So it's kind of like. Um, you know, sometimes we we compare uh, baseball to football on the show. It's like it reminds me of when people draft like a guy because they're like the starting running back in week one or something. You know, and it's like just because they're <laughs> the starting running back in week one, if they suck, like they're they're not going to be the uh, the starting running back all season. You know, so like people sometimes overrate the immediate. Um, it's a long season. It's 162 games. Michael Harris is a guy who um, started off slow last year. Uh, through the first two months and then he was awesome from june 1st on he had 326 16 homers and 15 steals in 104 games from june 1st onward so if he keep if he like starts out performing like that like uh, he could push his way up i mean it's not there's you know there's no um i mean acuna is a guy that could hit anywhere in the lineup and be great um you know albies it looks good in the second spot, but like you could move him down. I mean, he's a power guy, so he could easily switch spots with Harris, and that could make sense as well. So uh, there's a lot of ways things can change uh, over the course of the year. But um, you know, Robert is an interesting one because to me, he's he's a riskier you know uh, profile than Harris. Like I would rather have the the batting average or the uh, the batting order concern than the the concerns that you have with Lu- Luis Robert, who is last year was the first year he ever played over a hundred games in a season. Yep. He's just had a lot of injuries, um, inconsistent performance too. Um, you know, last year his strikeout rate was 28.9% and he only hit 264. So yeah, he'll give you the category juice, but, um, it's also, you know, night and day with the lineups too. I mean, the white Sox are a train wreck, so like, it's going to be hard for him to score and drive in as many runs as he would, if he was on a, on a better team. Um, so I just to me he's more of like a high variance asset. Like there's no doubting his category juice. Thirty eight homers, twenty steals last year. That's yeah. really nice. Uh, I just I just feel like Harris feels a lot more like higher floor, and I think he's got every bit as much upside given how young he is and the, just you know the fact that he could continue to grow his game. So are you thinking like based on how Harris was second half? Are you looking at him more as like a potential 30-30 guy uh, versus kind of the 20-20 guy we've seen. Because he hasn't, like you said, he hasn't played like a full season. I mean, if he stays healthy, uh, plays a full season, he, he could be a 30-30 guy. I feel like the projections are all showing 
20 to 24 home runs, 20 to 24 stolen bases. But on the high end, I mean, he is still very young and he, he could, he could eclipse both of those numbers for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not expecting him to go 30, 30. If he went 30, 30, he'd basically be Julio Rodriguez, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, or Kyle Tucker, you know? So like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not counting on that. I, but I do think like 25, 25, that's certainly something that's doable for him. But um, you know, the main thing that's honestly held him back is just is just the uh, the RBIs. I mean, just, you know, and the runs. It's, those numbers mm-hmm. just haven't been that high so far in his career. Uh, if he gets those numbers up, even where the projection systems have him around 90 on each, like if he, if he gets 80 to 90 on each of those um, and hits, you know, 25 homers and 25 steals with a 290 batting average, like he's going to be – uh, a, a really high-end guy pushing for first-round value. Yeah, well, as, as far as Robert, you're, you're right about, like, the average dip last year. We have seen the average be better in the past. Of course, it was smaller sample sizes because, like you said, he had a hard time staying healthy. So I do have some hope that, like, he can get the average back up. Um, the projections sort of seem to think that his average will be about the same as last year. I just hope the projections are right that he'll play 145 games. That's what right. I really care about with right. Luis Robert. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure, and uh, and like I said, I do have them in the same tier. I just, I just feel a lot safer with Harris than I do with Robert, um, and and I feel safer with Harris than I do with Alvarez too, uh, and with the other guy in in my tier, with which is Adalas Garcia, and mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people probably have him lower. Um, he's he's like one of those players that I I feel like there's certain people that just don't like the profile and always are expecting him to flop and it just never really happens, you know? Right. Um, yep. uh, you know, we've seen players like that. I mean, like Javi, Javi Baez comes to mind. Like he just, you know, did better than, than a lot of people were expecting year after year for, and, and then of course the floor did eventually drop out on him. So maybe that's a warning sign about Garcia as well. But, um, hmm. you know, he's only 30. He plays in a great lineup. Um, you know his his strikeout rate is high, but it's not like outrageously high. I mean, his first season it was, and and like that was more of a uh oh, it's sustainable after he struck out thirty one point two percent of the time. But the last two years it's been under twenty eight percent, which is still high, but it's not it's not that bad. Um, so like I think that two forty five two fifty batting average, like he's done that three years in a row. I think at this point you can kind of just count on that, you know. And yeah, um, the power has just I mean, he took a massive step forward in power last year, 39 home runs. Uh, so that made up for the fact that he didn't run nearly as much. But, uh, you know, he still had nine steals and in 148 games. So, like, he could easily end up stealing 15 bases this season. Um, I feel like he's a good bet to hit over 30 home runs. The run production numbers are going to be awesome with the Rangers. So, like, outside of the fact that, like, he wasn't this big prospect and like he has a bit of swing and miss to his game. Like, I don't really understand why people are so down on Adalas Garcia. I feel like at this point you should just accept that he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he is awesome. I think you mentioned the stolen bases. Like if he can steal 15, that would be great. Cause going from 25, uh, you know, in 2022 to, to nine last year was definitely a disappointment considering it was a year, the year of the stolen base, right. And the rule changes and all that. So yeah, certainly if he could get back to like if I if you told me he was going to steal 25 bases again, he'd be in consideration for a first round pick to be honest, like you know, with all those other numbers cuz I'm looking I was looking at his finishes in 2021, he was a top 20 fantasy outfielder, he was top 5 in 2022, really top 10, 10 or, 10 or 12 last year. I think he was in, just inside the top 10 depending on your scoring. So, 
He's well, been very consistent the last yeah, well, three I years. Mean, you know, I mentioned baseball monsters uh, value numbers, and his his value number in uh, in 2022 was 0. 0.85. In 2023, it was 0. 0.83. So it was basically okay. exactly equal. Like he was just as good last year as he was the year before in a standard five by five league. It's just he traded. 16 steals for 20 runs, six RBIs and 12 home runs, you know, yeah. like, I mean, that's actually, I might actually prefer that trade off if, if that's the deal, you know? Um, so, so I have, I have Garcia at 14. Uh, maybe I can give you the rest of my tier here. Cause I have some similar players, but I'm wondering, cause, that, cause that's, what was your tier here? Uh, Michael Harris, have, who uh, else? Harris at nine, Jordan Alvarez at 10, Adalas Garcia at 11 and Luis Robert at 12. Okay, so my next tier here is Luis Robert at 10, Michael Harris at 11, Randy Arozarena at 12, Jazz Chisholm at 13, and then I have Adolis Garcia at 14, Mike Trout at 15. And I, there's guys in this tier who I struggled with. I struggled with where the heck to put Mike Trout. You know, I struggled with Randy Arozarena, who you didn't mention, but he's been a 2020 guy each of the last three seasons, but his batting average has also decreased every year. You know, and that's, and it's like. He's a little bit of a roller coaster, so I think like it depends on what kind of league you're in. I think if you're a roto league, he is kind of a set it and forget it, and you just kind of have to ride the wave, <laughs> the Randy Arosa Arena wave, which is kind of hard to say. But yeah, <laughs> he, he was a hard one to, to rank because I almost look at him as like like very solid, but like he's not, he doesn't have the average. He's you know I don't know like I'm I'm not super excited about him because like he's he's behind Michael Harris because I know he's not going to hit for the average that Michael Harris and Michael Harris is younger could do even more so like there's no comparison there but like jazz chisholm's in here because like he was on his way to a 40 40 season and then injuries and so we know the injury stuff a lot of these guys we've been talking about Luis robert you know jazz chisholm mike trout who's in this tier i think if you do draft one of these guys you need to be a little safer as you get down into the draft or if you somehow draft two of these guys then like do not go <laughs> off the board and draft rookies and all sorts of guys you need to have some balance mm-hmm yeah, well, so there's a lot to chew on there. I, you know, I personally believe after my four, there's like another fairly significant drop in my opinion. Um, so I don't have those other guys you mentioned um, ranked close to where you have them. I have uh, Jazz Chisholm ranked 16th. I have okay. Randy Rosarina 18th and Mike Trout 19th. So I'm I'm unlikely to be drafting any of those guys. Chisholm maybe I could see a scenario where he ends up on a team of mine, but. Um, you know, with him, I just he's he's a real boomer bust kind of a guy. I mean, he brings a ton yeah. of category juice to the table, but um, he's not going to hit for a high batting average, and he's a major injury risk. You know, after failing to reach a hundred games in either of the last two seasons, um, you know, it's also possible. I think he might run less after his offseason toe surgery, and um, he's got a tough home ballpark. He's got a weak supporting cast. So like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of downsides with Chisholm that kind of offset the, the upside of his home run and stolen base combo, which is, which is appealing for sure. Um, you know, for me, he, he's actually in a tier with other guys that I feel similarly about where they, they bring interesting category juice, but also kind of a risky profile where you don't know exactly what you're going to get. So Right. I put him in a tier with Josh Lowe, Nolan Jones, mm. and Cody Bellinger because uh, those are all guys that I feel that way about as well. I, Lowe would be my preferred option of that group because I, I just think I, – I don't really understand why he's being so underrated after he hit two ninety two with 20 homers and 32 steals last season. Like I understand 
he doesn't hit lefties well. He could end up platooning. Yeah. Um, but like that's not necessarily a bad thing if he's going to be as productive as he was against righties last yeah. season. You know, maybe it actually helps him keep his batting average up. Um, so you know, I, to me, he's kind of a value. Like people aren't really fully buying into what he did last season, and I don't really see a reason not to. I mean, he was a decent prospect who put up really nice minor league numbers as well. So, um, so yeah, I so he's my favorite of that kind of of tier of guys, and then um, I. I have like a Rosarena and Trout more in a, a flawed, <laughs> valuable players who have flaws tier. <laughs> um, so like they they all have like pretty high floors. Like they're not going to be bad, um, but they're not going to be like real needle movers either. So like for me, he's yeah. in there with Kyle Schwarber, um, Trout, and Christian Yelich. Like all mm. those guys are going to be solid for sure. Um, but I just don't see a path really for any of them to be first round kind of values, you know? Um, and like a Rosarena in particular, I'm, I feel like I'm down on compared to consensus. Cause I just 2020 is not what it used to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. now that there's so many more steals, I think I heard steals are up 40% last season compared to pre- the previous year. So 20 steals is, is just not as impactful as it used to be. 20 home runs was always kind of a low bar really in, in today's game. Um, and he's also really bad on the base paths. Like he's inefficient running the mm. bases and the Rays are such a data focused team. I always wonder why they even let him run as much as he does. So like, if anything, I could see his steals um, going the the wrong direction. You know, I know he stole 30 uh, the previous season, but uh, that was kind of an outlier and I don't see him going back to that. So uh, you combine that with, you know, the advancing age um, and, yeah, he's just uh, he's not a player I'll be drafting a lot of. Well, we haven't even really talked about ADP much, but um, back to Jazz Chisholm for a second before we move on to some of those other guys. I I actually have him at 13. His ADP, I, I, I was sorting ADP and removing ESPN because I think they have a lot of points leagues, and so it seemed to – a lot of their numbers were like way skewed versus some of the others like Yahoo. And uh, his Jazz Chisholm's ADP there was 17. So I'm definitely high on Chisholm. And, yeah, he, he is flawed. Uh, I think he's got like – some serious, you know, upside. And it's, like you said, it's high risk, high reward. And then these other guys, like you said, Nolan Jones, Cody Bellinger, we talked about them on the first base pod. I have them at 16, 17. They're the start of a new tier of some of these other guys you're talking. I have Schwarber in there. I have Yelich. Josh Lowe is actually the lowest of those guys we're talking about. And and some of that is because, yeah, if you're in a weekly, you know, lineup type league, then you might, you know, tick him down a little bit. Because, yeah, I do think he could platoon. Um, and, yeah, he was like I'd have to look at pull up his splits, but I feel like he was sort of a hot start uh, type guy. I got I'm pulling him up now, but I I just yeah I, I do worry that Josh Lowe and some of it's because like you you're right about the prospect pedigree, but like man, last year this time he was his ADP I looked it up was like 450 to 500 range depending on the site, so he was like off the board. That doesn't mean he can't be good now, um, but like it just. These other guys we've seen we've seen it year in and year out like Kyle Schwarber you know what you're getting with Kyle Schwarber right you're getting power you're getting a low average um, you know like the home runs are there he had a career low 209 BABIP so that was worst among all outfielders with 150 plate appearances Schwarber I think he's due some some positive BABIP and maybe average uh, you know regression there so I just feel like some of these guys you know what you're getting you know what you're getting with Yelich and and so yeah no yeah, I agree, lows at yeah. the bottom of that tier. Yeah, no, I agree. I, to me, that's why it's like it's very like format dependent. You know, like if you play in a deep league where you you need to make sure you get a sure thing here, then I would 
I would take Schwarber. But um, in a 10 or 12 team categories league, like I think the upside is significantly higher with low. I mean, like, and by the way, like, you know, I think the reason his projections are not, not that high is because the projection systems take into account like previous seasons, you know? So like he initially Mm -hmm. struggled um, when he came up to the majors in 2022. Um, But like he was a different player last year. I mean, he cut his strikeout rate from 33% in 2022 to 24.8% last year. I mean, that's a, a tangible difference. Um, And uh, you know, his, his, underlying numbers mostly supported what he did. I mean, like the, the stack house numbers are still quite good. Um, so, and in terms of the platooning, I mean, they, like I, I, like I'm open to the, I, the possibility that they could platoon him, but like at the same time, I don't know if they really will because he's a young up and coming player for them that, you know, roster resource, I believe has him hitting cleanup in their lineup. Yeah. Um, and they don't really have, you know, a lot of proven performers on their bench. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're gonna, and they're going to be platooning a bunch of other guys too, you know? So like, you know, I feel like he's kind of down the list of guys that are going to get platooned on that team. Like guys like Jose Caballero, Jose Siri, like Yitzhak Paredes, like Jonathan Aranda. Like these are all guys that are much more likely to get platooned than Josh. I Lowe. guess. I, think. I don't know, man. With with the Rays, like Siri's a really good glove in the outfield. I feel like he's he could be more of an everyday player than even Josh Lowe. Um, and they just signed Ahmed Rosario, uh, who can play some in the outfield. They probably have some twenty eight year old in the minors named Bob Smith or something who they'll pull up at some <laughs> some point and play. They just the Rays. I don't know. Like I I often I often lower Rays a bit in my rankings just because, and I feel like I should lower Randy Rosarina a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fine. I mean, I, it, I'm not saying it's not possible. I just I think that like it's it's I think that he's less likely to get platoon than some of those other guys I mentioned. Maybe you could say Siri stays in because of his glove, but some of those guys. And but the the bigger the bigger point is like you know he doesn't need he doesn't really need to play against lefties i mean like right last season he hit 300 with 18 homers and 30 steals in 129 games against right-handed pitching <laughs> so like yeah, almost awesome. all of his production was against right-handed pitching he played 48 games against lefties and hit 238 with two homers and two steals <laughs> you know so it's like you would have been better off if those games just didn't happen <laughs> like you know so yeah. like you look at his value and it's not dependent on on being an everyday player sometimes this is like counterintuitive, but sometimes like not being an everyday player can actually be beneficial to to a player if they have like really massive platoon splits like that. Absolutely, and and like I like I said, if you're in a daily league and you can like that that increases his value. We talked about Mac about Max Muncy on the third base podcast. Uh, similar, like he's not as valuable as as Josh Lowe doesn't have the stolen base juice and stuff. But same kind of thing, like you know. So these guys are these guys have their value, but like he's just a little bit lower in my rankings for that reason. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in a daily league, I feel like it's like a massive advantage uh, to have yeah. a player like that, actually. Um, but in like a, even in a weekly league, I like my point is like you shouldn't necessarily ding guys that much for that because it, it's if they're that good against righties, like most of the pitchers are right handed and they can get their numbers anyway. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned Yelich. I have him in here at 19. Uh, I was staying far away from him last season, which was incorrect <laughs> not the thing to do <laughs> i mean he definitely took advantage of the new rule changes 
had 28 stolen bases, most since 2019 for for him. And uh, yeah, he'll continue to bat lead off for the Brewers. I expect him to. And so he's he's a nice second outfielder for me. Like I wouldn't want him to be my first outfielder necessarily, but like if I'm getting one of those guys in the like first or second round, I'm fine if Christian Yelich drops to me and he's my second outfielder because yeah, he got the batting average up. He just has he just has some nice well-rounded numbers and the counting stats could be there even though I think the Brewers are going to kind of stink this year. Batting leadoff has has its perks. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I I put him in a tier with a Rosarina, Schwarber, and Trout, because that's how I feel about all th- all four of those guys. Honestly, like I like them mm-hmm. a lot more as my second outfielder than as my first. Um, and I think with Yelich, that's probably a pretty widely held view. Um, you know, even though he did, of course, you know, push his numbers back up to pretty exciting ones last season, they still weren't on the level of his days as a fantasy superstar. You know, so. He's not he's not gonna be a first round guy. I, I think like if you got last year's numbers again from him, I think you'd have to be thrilled with that. Uh realistically, you know, he probably doesn't quite get to the twenty eight steals again. Like the home runs that might still be kind of on the high end because his not his power had really been down the last few seasons before that. So the batting average had been down too. So, you know I feel like last year was closer to his ceiling than his floor, but like his floor isn't that bad. Like it's no, he's, it's not. It's gonna he's gonna chip in across the board and be useful. Um, yep. And yeah, I mean, like Schwarber, like I I I think he's got a high a really high floor too, just because he's gonna hit forty five home runs and score a hundred runs and drive in close to a hundred runs. And you know, it's because he walks a ton and he bats at the top mm-hmm. of the order, so he gets a ton of plate appearances, uh, scores a ton of runs because of that. And you just know that he's going to be a batting average drag. And uh, I don't buy the steals. I mean, he had 10 steals in 2022, but that was like out of nowhere, basically. So yeah, he, he's basically not going to steal. And he's going to be he's like the ultimate three category player. Um, and there's no harm in that as your second outfielder. I just wouldn't necessarily love it as my first outfielder. Right. Three category monster. And you need to like pair him with someone else. I think when you get guys like that who are the three category then you're going to need to pair him with someone maybe who hits for average and steals. Maybe you get Nico Horner, who I know you don't like, but like <laughs> maybe you get him as your second baseman or shortstop or something to balance out a guy like Schwarber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or if you're just drafting batting average with your first pick and you grab him in the, you sure. know, with, with a later pick, um, you know, trout also like I, I, he's a guy like, I feel like Schwarber could actually end up being a good value uh, in drafts. Cause I, I feel like people get scared off by yeah. the batting average and and so like you know in in terms of like ADP um his he's not like super far down there but I could see some drafts where people just don't want to draft Schwarber and he falls a lot further than than the 60th overall pick um mm-hmm. which is like his ADP right now Trout on the other hand I could still see some leagues where he goes earlier than his ADP and I I For just sure. wouldn't I wouldn't do it I mean um I just I just look at Trout and he's basically just a power hitter now he doesn't run Mm -hmm. at all anymore and the batting average is just not there to the same extent I mean last year was the first year where it really dropped off down to 263 but his K rate has been up three years in a row in that 28 percent range so um I just think like batting average wise he's not a great bet anymore you're like that 263 last year is probably what you're going to get and you can get 40 home runs but the Angels are not going to be a good team. So, like, 
the run in RBI production is not, I mean, last year he had 40 home runs and only had 85 runs and 80 RBIs, you know? So mm. now I know the 40 home runs were in 119 games. So maybe you say, Oh, maybe he can hit 50 or 60 home runs. I wouldn't bank on that. Like he's never no. been, he's never done that. He's <laughs> never hit 50 home runs in his career. And he was the best player in fantasy for a decade, you know? So like I wouldn't bank on that. I think 40 is doable, but um, even that might be on the high end. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, um, yeah, he's going to hit for more batting average in Schwarber, but I think Schwarber's going to going to significantly outdo him in in home runs, runs and RBIs. So I actually think I might slightly prefer Schwarber of the two, and and I think with ADP, it's it's more likely Trout goes first. Right, and Trout's you know he's he's dealt with so many injuries, and so I mean he, if he played 140 games, he could have a solid year. But you're right, like the average, I don't think is coming back. This, this Angels team, I think, also is going to stink. I've already put small bets on the Brewers and Angels to have the worst record in baseball. I think I mentioned that in a different podcast. So, yeah, like I don't I don't think like he's going to have some good season. But it's Mike Trout, so you can't have him but so low. And you're right. I think someone else in, in any league I'm in is going to reach for Mike Trout sooner than I am. Uh wanted to mention a couple other guys I have in this tier. Um, so after like Nolan Jones and Bellinger for me, uh, Yelich, Schwarber, you mentioned these guys. I have Nick Castellanos and Brian Reynolds who you talked about contributors. I mean, these guys are accumulators. There's like kind of masters of none, not super exciting, but like, you know, they'll bat 260 or 70 and give you 20, 25 home runs, maybe double digit steals in the case of Brian Reynolds. Um, Castellanos, you know, he had a hard first season in Philly, but he really turned it around, got the power back a little bit last year. So I like these guys, again, second outfielder. I do not want either of these guys to be my first outfielder, but they are like solid contributors, contributors across the board. And I just have a hard time ranking them outside of like my top 25 outfielders because I just think that they'll probably finish around there. They're not going to finish in the top 10, but I think they'll finish around 20. Yeah, no, I think that's actually a fair expectation. I just um, my my rankings are more ge- more geared towards drafting strategy as opposed to like a prediction of where guys are going to finish. Uh, so, like I, I actually the way I the way I handled this was after Yelich um, at 20, I I. I had two categories of players that come to mind that I would consider picking after those top 20 outfielders are off the board. And at that point for me, it's do you want to go for a boring veteran who's going to be (laughs) solid or do you want to, you know, go for a boomer bust young player who could be amazing. So I actually rank the boomer bust young players first. So I have a tier from 21 to 25 of Jackson Churio, Wyatt Langford, Mm. Jordan Walker, Evan Carter, nice. and Riley Green. Um, and then I have a tier of like boring, solid players um, that includes <laughs> Castellanos and Reynolds, but it also has Marcelo Zuna, Teoscar mm-hmm. Hernandez, and George Springer. So mm. um, those those are the that that basically takes me through thirty outfielders um, with with those two groups. So we can discuss it in any order you want. You know, I think when you know, since you mentioned the boring guys first, let's let's go there. I mean, <laughs> let's start with the boring guys. Yeah, right. I mean, I think I prefer Castellanos over Reynolds. Um, me too. Yeah, because you know, I just think he's got a bit more power. Um, I think he could have more run production. Um, and you know. The thing about Reynolds, like, yeah, he's he's got a high floor, but like, I just I don't know, like, he just doesn't have much um, intrigue in in terms of batting average or power or speed, any of it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just it's it's almost like you're sort of just 
settling, you know? So I like him more in a like deeper league where you're just trying to bank some numbers than I do uh, in a, in a 10 or 12 team mixed league where you're, you're shooting for the moon. Okay. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned George Springer and Teoscar Hernandez in this tier too, right? Yes. Yeah. And also, I have them. And also uh, Marcelo Zuna. Yeah. So I don't have Ozuna in this tier. He's a little bit later for me, but I do have Springer and Teoscar Hernandez. I also have Seiya Suzuki in this tier of, of, I would, I don't know. I guess I would call him in the boring guys, but like, I, I really like Suzuki. I think, you know, when, when guys come over, I think sometimes they take some time to, you know, kind of adjust. We saw Hassan Kim last year, you know, really kind of break out. We'll see if he continues, you know, and there's, there's other, there's other examples of guys coming from Japan and Korea and different places, but Suzuki had an oblique injury at the beginning of last season and he started to break out a little bit in the second half. He had seven home runs in September. Uh, You know, he had some power droughts early on, but like I'm ranking him about 10 spots higher than I did this time last year. I just think like, I think the talent is going to kind of win out here in year three. And I also noticed that he was caught stealing seven times, which was pretty high among outfielders. And I look at that as a positive, like, Hmm. Hey, he's running, he's running. And if he's, if he's improving, if he's figuring some things out, maybe he steals a few more bases. So, or who knows, maybe he'll stop stealing. Like you were talking about a Rosa Reina, but like, I looked at that as like, well, he, he's running. So I, I kind of like that too. So I, I put Suzuki in this boring tier of, of guys as well. Okay. Yeah. You're, I, I can't hate on that. Cause like there's, you're not, you're far from the only person that really likes him. So maybe I have a blind spot towards him. Um, but I'm I'm not in on him this season. I've got him down at 48. So, oh uh, wow, I won't be. Yeah, I won't be drafting him. Uh, you know, I think like he basically was the same player last year as the year before. He just uh, took a, a step forward in the batting average department. Um, you know, so I just I don't know. Like again, he'll be a solid contributor. I just I don't really see the breakout potential. I mean, he's 29 years old. Um, he's got. Uh, you know, two seasons now in the big leagues, like we've kind of seen what he is as far as I'm concerned. And it's, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it is, it is <laughs> similar to Brian, Re- Brian Reynolds, I guess you could say. So I could see, exactly. <laughs> I could see putting him in that tier. I just, um, I don't know. I, I think Reynolds is just like a little bit better um, than Suzuki. So it's like uh, he ends up falling down a tier for me based on that. I mean, I, I I think Reynolds is more likely to repeat the, you know, he got 12 steals last year and I could see him repeating that. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy the seven caught stealings as a good thing. Like you said. <laughs> um, and then like, you know, Reynolds has, has a bit more power than Suzuki has shown as well. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I, I can see the, he's, he's maybe like Brian Reynolds light, but, um, that just ends up <laughs> slotting him down a bit more in my rankings. That's fine. I mean, like, I, I'm sure I have another tier of boring guys, and we're, we're going to differ on some of these for sure. But I, I do have George Springer and Teoscar Hernandez in here. For those who don't know, Teoscar Hernandez is now a Dodger. So that's nice, <laughs> you know? Yes, and he was people. teaching uh, Shohei Otani how to speak Spanish uh, in a video that I saw today. So. <laughs> nice. That was fun. That's adorable. <laughs> yes. Well, um, you know, Teoscar, I've, you know, he's always had a high Babbitt, uh, really high K rate, but, um, and that didn't change in Seattle last year, but like now that he's a Dodger, I just, I think about like a rising tide lifting all boats. So I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't rank him too low. He's, he's number 25 for me. And you know, in that Dodger lineup, we saw what like JD Martinez did. And I'm not going to compare those two. Cause JD Martinez is like an elite hitter. He's like a, 
Edgar Martinez type, and Teoscar Hernandez is not that. But like, I just think Teoscar Hernandez, if he's hitting you know fifth or something in that lineup, could be really good or sixth or whatever. You know, just to be in that Dodger lineup and you get a a really good bat like his, uh, you, you can't let him fall too far. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what I think too. I mean, I think he's just sort of fallen into a perfect situation. I I think the the comparison with JD Martinez makes sense, not not again in the sense of them being the same player, but you know JD Martinez drove in over 100 runs in 113 games uh, batting in this lineup. So like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of run production uh, for T. Oscar Hernandez. Um, he, you know, even though he swings and misses a lot, he makes really hard contact. So that keeps him from being like a batting average liability, uh, as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just think he's like, he's going to play every day. He's going to have great run production numbers, 25 to 30 home runs, handful of steals, um, and a decent batting average. So yeah, what's not to love. I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. All right. And then what about George Springer? I mean, a lot of this, I mean, a lot of the same. What I can't believe about George Springer when I was looking at him is he's turning 35 this year, which just tells me how long I've been playing fantasy baseball. Because like I still think of him as young. You you were saying that about who were you saying that about in the last episode? Oh, um, um, Nick Senzel it, or Nick Senzel maybe? Yeah, yeah. He's 29. <laughs> you know, now. Like, yeah, and George Springer's almost 35. I'm like, good grief, you know. But yeah, like he had he had 20 steals last year, you know, most in his career. So some of these guys like him and Yelich, like these crafty vets who have a little speed, really took advantage. I mean, we saw Jose Altuve stealing a ton of bases. I know this is not a second base episode, but like some of these veterans really got around the base path. So I don't know if he'll do it again, but like, you know, I guess if the steals aren't there, he could have a rough season uh, because like if he's not a 2020 guy, then what is he? But like, um, I don't know. I just think he, he could be pretty productive. He seemed to fit in this category, this tier with like a, a Brian Reynolds and, and Castellanos and these other guys who I've been talking about. Yeah, I like Springer. It, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because he's when I saw that he went 2020 last season, that, that kind of blew my mind because I, I always envisioned him when he first was getting called up as a 2020 kind of a guy. Like, I right. thought that I thought that was the profile that he was going to have when he was, um, you know, based on what he w- had done in the minors, uh, he seemed like he was going to be that 2020 kind of guy. And then in his first, you know, extended season in 2020 and 2015, he had 16 homers and 16 steals. And his, I was like, ah, here it is. That was in <laughs> only 102 games. Like starting yeah. next year, he's going to be that 2020 guy. And then he ended up becoming a much bigger power hitter than. Um, than a than a base dealer for most of his career, um, and then last year suddenly he's he's more that 2020 guy that I thought he was going to be <laughs> ten years ago. You know, so it's funny how <laughs> it's funny how time is a circle sometimes. But um, I, I don't know. I, I like I can't discount that he might still have a big power season in him too, though, because you know you said if he doesn't steal the bases, what are you left with? I mean. As recently as 2021, he had 22 homers in only 78 games. So he was on like a 40 home run pace that season. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the in the COVID year, he had 14 homers in 51 games. And then the year before that, he had 39 homers. So he was like a 40 homer guy consistently up until 2022. Um, and then that year, he had 25 homers in 133 games. So maybe he was like a, a 30 homer pace that year. And then last year, it was only 21 homers in 154 games. But 
the way I look at it is that 21 homers feels like the floor, basically. You know, like I, he could still, I don't know if he's going to hit 40 again. He could, but like he could hit 30 again, definitely. And the 20 steals is probably the ceiling, but like 14 the year before seems mm-hmm. like he's running more than he ever has before. Um, so yeah, I, I like Springer. He's going to hit the top of the lineup. He should be a good source of runs uh, scored. Um, draws a decent number of walks as well. So, yeah, I, I feel like there's a little bit of ageism against Springer right now. And uh, he does yeah. have the injury history to, to contend with as well. But um, I don't know. I could even be talking myself into wanting to take George Springer ahead of the Nick Castellanos and Brian Reynolds of the world. Well, I mean, Springer's ADP is 104, and those other guys are around 80, uh, you know, or uh, where, where's Castellanos? Castellanos is 103, but Reynolds is much higher. Reynolds, to me, is a guy who – if he's not going later, I'm not drafting Brian Reynolds. Like he's there's just there's just other guys who can give you that kind of boring production, I think. And and better. There's other guys with upside. So we keep mentioning Brian Reynolds, but like I'm not I'm probably just not drafting him where his ADP is. Yeah, I'm definitely not. Um and you know, Ozuna is a guy that I, I feel like I'm a little perplexed. What's his ADP? I mean, yeah, people are certainly sleeping on Ozuna. Um one forty eight. One forty eight, yeah. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, he plays in a great lineup. Um, and remember, I was totally in on him last year, of course. Yeah. Uh, but he had 40 home runs <laughs> last season. <laughs> he had 274, 40 home runs, 84 runs, and 100 RBIs. Like, if you told me that Mike Trout could get to those numbers, I think I'd be happy as a Mike Trout owner. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and Marcelo Zuna did that last season. So, like, wh- like explain the difference between Mike Trout and Marcelo Zuna to me. I'm, I like, I just don't really see it. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I, I have Ozuna a bit later in a little in a in a different tier, but I mean, your points are are correct, and I think this is like the cheapest one of the cheapest ways you can get a piece of the Braves lineup. I mean, Sean Murphy is a guy when we did the catcher podcast, like he's someone you can kind of get, you know, as like the seventh or eighth catcher off the board. But Ozuna is a nice piece because like. Those other guys, Albies and Acuna and Austin Riley, Matt Olson, those are all guys who are going in the first couple rounds of draft. So Ozuna is someone who you clearly can get in the middle rounds and maybe just reach a round or two early uh, because if he's still going around 150, that that does feel a little bit light for someone with that amount of power. Yeah, it's just interesting to me which players like you know people are buying what they did last season and which players they're not. You know, and I, right? Like Ozuna's had some huge seasons in the past too. It's not like he's came out of nowhere to do this you know so um yeah it was a career high for home runs um but like you know he doesn't need to hit 40 to be a valuable fantasy contributor some of it's the age some of it's like he had some off-field stuff you know people were wondering if he would get back in baseball I just think there's things in the back of people's minds where it's hard to compartmentalize like all right this is Marcelo Zuna now right you know you have all these other you know things in your head about Ozuna that maybe lower him in your mind, whether it's the age or the off-field stuff. But if you just put that away and just look at like what he's done and and what he's done in the past too, like it's he, he could be a, a very good value. Yeah, and and like where is Brian Reynolds going to outproduce Marcelo Ozuna? It, it steals. That's it, right? I mean, like, yeah, other than probably. that, I think Ozuna could be the favorite to beat him in the other four categories. All right, so you you mentioned is that is that your boring tier? Do you want to get into some of these uh, upside guys? Because I have I have the upside guys after some of the boring guys. Like I have around twenty eight through thirty, I have Churio, Langford, and Walker, but I have Evan Carter a bit farther down uh, in a in a different tier. I 
I, I don't know about the Evan Carter hype, man. Like I'm taking Wyatt Langford over him, and maybe I'll sound dumb a month from now when like Wyatt Langford is not on the opening day roster and Evan Carter is, but I don't know. I just think there's way more upside with Wyatt Langford. He's a much better prospect, I think. Um, I mean, they're both really good prospects, but maybe people are remembering like Evan Carter in the playoffs and all that, you know, World Series. But what do you, what are your thoughts on the on the the Rangers outfielders? Well, first of all, I agree with you in the sense that. I have Wyatt Langford ranked ahead of Evan Carter also. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I do have them in the same tier because I, I think, like, I, I want to be careful about, like, being too certain about what players can do when they're uh, as young and, you know, inexperienced as these guys are. Like, we don't we don't know <laughs> what, their, what their careers are going to look like, you know? I mean, Evan Carter sure. is 21 years old and mm-hmm. – he, you know, as a 20 year old, <laughs> he came up and immediately hit for a playoff team and, and all the way in, deep into the playoffs was playing in meaningful games, you know? So like um, that says something about his maturity as a player. Now I like, I do understand like the questions, like what does the upside look like necessarily? I mean um, you know, he only hit 12 home runs in 97 games uh, in double a last year before the call up. Um, he did have 22 steals and hit 284. So like, I think he can definitely steal some significant bases. The power, I, you know, I could see the power being a work in progress. I mean, he's young, he's still growing into his power probably. So, um, you know, I, like, I understand like, and, and he had a 32% strikeout rate too. So like, he's going to need to improve that. I mean, that was in a small sample. So, you know, he didn't have big strikeout problems in the minors. Uh, so I think yeah. he can get that licked and hit for or at least an, a decent average. I don't think he's going to be a 300 hitter. But again, like, we don't have much to work on, work with here. <laughs> you know, like, he could, like, the fact that he came up and was good right away is, like, I don't want to hold that against him. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So for me, like, the difference is I think Carter is pretty much a lock to be uh, on the opening day roster and, and to be, um, to get get an opportunity to play, whereas Lankford, it's it remains to be seen uh, if he's going to get that chance. Like I do think it's fair to say Lankford probably has more upside, um, just based on what we know at this particular point. Now all that could change, yeah. but um, you know he he did have ten homers and twelve steals, hit over three hundred at four different minor league levels in only forty four games as a professional. So like, I mean that's like such a small sample size, but like. Um, that's huge five category upside mm-hmm. if you extrapolate that over a, a full season uh, elite prospect um, so yeah I mean like uh, yeah I don't disagree with your premise I just to me um, the fact that Carter's already kind of shown he can deliver in, in key moments and big moments in the big leagues is going to build his confidence and position him well within the organization so that kind of like evens it out for me and it's not like he's not a, a high-end prospect as well um sure even if he doesn't have necessarily the the pure upside that Langford has so that's why I do have Langford ahead but have him in the same tier okay yeah I have I have Carter like down at 39 after another tier of vet so like he's a bit farther down but you're right I mean like it, as you're talking about it, it reminds me of like guys like Andrew Jones uh Randy Rosarena got like young guys who really did it in the playoffs and you know, those guys had great careers. I'm not saying Evan Carter will be those guys, but like, yeah, he could, he could be. Um, I do think that small, the small sample size is just so tough. Cause like the 306 batting average was backed by the 248 expected batting average. Um, 
but like with Wyatt Langford, you, you talked about his, you know, limited experience as well in the minors. So we're projecting. And with Cheerio, I have Cheerio highest of all these guys. Um, you know, he just signed a big contract. He turns 20 years old next month in March. <laughs> so like, yeah. He's going to be thrust right into a sink or swim type situation. I mean, you have to think he'll just he'll make the opening day roster, and yeah, he he's got he's got it all too. I mean, he could be a five tool guy. I was listening. I think the rates and barrels guys talk about like Enosaris, and they were talking about the Brewers and Churio, saying it it feels a little like a Julio Rodriguez type situation, but maybe a year or two younger. You know, Churio's so young. You know, Julio had a little bit more experience before he kind of came up and broke out, but. We could see that. I think I think Churio's helium, as people like to say, is just gonna increase as we get closer to sort of the middle of March and people having these drafts. I don't like Jordan Walker last year, you know. I love me some Jordan Walker. I think I think Churio is gonna be the same thing. People are gonna people wanna name their teams funny things with Churio in there, you know, all sorts <laughs> of stuff. He he's gonna be a top one hundred player easy. I mean, is his is his ADP in the top one hundred yet? I don't think so. Let me see. I'm, I mean, he he's uh, let's see no. where he is. One, yeah, he's like one fifty. Yeah, I think he and Jackson Holiday both, if they make opening day rosters, are going to be top one hundred type players in in most fantasy drafts. I do. Yeah, I mean, I actually think Churio has all significantly more upside, immediate upside than than Holiday does. So, like, he's he's the number one as far as I'm concerned. He's the number one fantasy prospect um, in the game right now. Uh, and like he had 22 homers and stole 43 bases in 123, 122 games at double a last year. That's insane. Like you yeah. could just put up monster numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a rookie. Like the fact they signed him to that big eight year deal suggests they should have no reason not to play him this season from the get go. As long right. as he's not really struggling in camp. I mean, they're going to want to make sure he's confident going into you know the beginning of the season um so maybe he ends up playing some games in triple a i mean he's only had six games in triple a so far in his career so like he Mm -hmm. could maybe use a little more seasoning i guess it will come down to how he looks in spring training but but yeah i mean like he he has to be at the top of this group um and like i put these guys all on a tier but like to me he there is a little bit of a distance between him and the other ones i mean you know langford and Walker, I mean, I'm I'm still really in on Walker too. I mean, he, he was oh, a little too. disappointing last season, but like, let's put that in quotes because it was like he held his own as a major league baseball player. You know, yeah, and he actually hit for a pretty decent batting average, which was the biggest concern people had about him that he might have some swing and miss in his game. So like, he actually kind of answered those critics, and and you know, the Cardinals played some games with his playing time last year, like. You know, he should have had more plate appearances than he did last season. So his counting stats would have looked better if he had had 600 plate appearances instead of 465. Um, Even so, yeah, I mean, he didn't hit for as much power or run as much as people were expecting. Um, But, I mean, that could change at any time. Like, he has the ability to do both of those things. He's shown it in the minors. He's only going to be 22 years old this season. So, like... um, I love drafting players like Walker, you know, the year after they kind of disappoint. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a question of like how much of a discount would, do you get, you know? And, um, you know, he's still going pick 123. So, like, that's probably a good 60, 70 picks, like, after he was going last season, right? Um, so, yeah, I'll take is. that discount and take a shot on Jordan Walker. 
Yeah, I'm still in on Jordan Walker too for all the reasons you said. And I was I was mad last year, man. I had him in a couple. I had I had him in one league. I know, and you know I'm looking at his March April uh, splits. He was betting 274. You know, got sent down. <laughs> it's like the guy's hitting 274. Like he's not the problem, guys. <laughs> right. like, I know I know the Cardinals were off to a slow start, but they sent him down. He didn't play the whole month of May. And yeah, he came back and hit 338 in June. I'm looking at his like first half, second half splits. He hit eight home runs in each half. He he batted, you know, 280 in the first half and 270 in the second half. It's like the guy was very consistent, you know, for a 20 year old or what is he, 21 now. So yeah, like I'm still very much in on him. I think it's interesting that his ADP, he's going sooner than Churio. But I think, again, I think that's going to change. Uh, and I think either of these guys, if they're going in sort of the 120 to 140 range, you know, I'm fine taking them even sooner than that because you, at that point, you've already kind of gotten a lot of the solid players who you want. You got to start taking some some risks. Like, don't draft all these guys, but um, you, I think you definitely want to try to get one of these guys. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And um, how about Riley Green? Where do you have him ranked? Because to me, he's kind of like in in like there's some similarities between him and Carter. I think like where you. You might yep. be able to like question the upside um, based on uh, what we've seen to this point, but they're highly regarded prospects, and they have the benefit of being locked in to starting jobs heading into the season and still being very young and, and having that po- prospect pedigree. So what, what do you think about Green? I have Green a little bit higher than Evan Carter. I have him at 33, um, and sort of like him at the top of a tier, Evan Carter at the bottom of a tier. Um, I like Riley Green. You know, he, he also is a very, like you said, very highly touted prospect. You know, we saw him play almost 100 games last year, and he he put up solid production, you know, like 288, uh, 11 homers, seven stolen bases. So, you know, if, if he's an everyday player, I, you know, I like this Tigers team. And if he's like an everyday type player, you know, he could be a 2020 type guy who hits for average. So, like, he's got that upside. Uh, he might be more of like a 15 to 20 home run and 10 to 12 steal guy and hit for average, which is fine. I mean, if you're getting him this late, but he is still so young that – we don't really know what he what he can do, and if if I like the Tigers, I've got to like Riley Green. So yeah, um, I've got him at thirty three, and so I don't know where that is based on his ADP. I'll have to look that up, but um, he's going at like around thirty nine. So I have him a little bit higher than than consensus. It, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it certainly requires like a lot of um, you know projecting growth from him. I think to like justify where I have him ranked at twenty five. But the, yeah. the, you know, I don't really like, I wouldn't bet on him finishing as the 25th most valuable outfielder. I just think that, like, if he does, <laughs> you know, take big steps forward, uh, you know, he's still young enough to do that. He's 23 years old, you know, and he's the former number one overall prospect. So, like, there's some, he's basically Jordan Walker, just like one year with one additional year of not looking that amazing, you know, in the major yeah. leagues but kind of holding his own, but not wowing. Um, so like guys can break out after one year, they can break out after two years, you know? So like, I like taking a shot on these kind of guys and then I'll be willing to pass up the Brian Reynoldses of the world and just find some other outfielders that we'll probably talk about on the next show. Uh, if instead that I can start going into the season while I kind of wait to see what I get out of these young guys, you know? So like, I like taking my shots with the upside of these guys and I do, still feel like Riley Green has a lot of upside, even though up to this point he just hasn't had a ton of category juice. Um, 
And, you know, it's tough playing in Detroit. It's not a good ballpark, so that that's a, a challenge. He's also coming off Tommy John surgery on his non-throwing arm, so mm-hmm. we'll have to see if that's, like, affecting his swing in the spring and things like that. So I could, I could move him down if he doesn't look good in the spring, but I also could see if he looks great in the spring that his ADP shoots up. So, it, it, you know, it's February here, and, and uh, <laughs> things could change. But as of now, I like taking the shot on him over, over kind of a boring accumulator type. Okay. Um, do you want do you want me to give you a couple more? Uh, it sounds like you might want to kind of wrap up, you know, sort of this top thirty area. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I've given you thirty names so far. So if you have any guys in your top thirty that we haven't talked about yet, um, we could yeah. we could uh, discuss those and then and then wrap things up. I have two guys. Um, it would it would make for a good you know these are these are more veterans, not rookies, but they kind of fit. I, I debate on whether or not I would actually take them ahead of Jackson Cheerio ahead of Wyatt Langford if he makes the opening day roster, ahead of Jordan Walker. But I have them ranked as such right now, and that's Lane Thomas and Chaz McCormick, who his ADP is like outfielder 40. I have him all the way up at 27. And, you know, he hit well above his expected batting average last year, but he was also one stolen base away from a 2020 season. I don't mind drafting a 2020-type guy in this Astros lineup. I think, you know, he – I don't know. Like, I just think, like – maybe he's Brian Reynolds. I don't know, but like, I just think he, and of course you, t- you talked about breakout lane Thomas, you know, with the nationals, but like he was barely inside my top 75 outfielders last season. So that's, that's a guy I talked about at the top of the show who had a career year, 28 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Everyone thought the Nats would trade him and they didn't. So his counting stats could hurt a little bit. Uh, the average could come down uh, some based on the underlying stats, but these are guys that I'm just looking at like they've had the production. I think in McCormick's case, I actually think he could be even a little bit better. I don't I don't want to pay for a career year from Lane Thomas, but like I, I struggle with ranking those guys ahead of uh, the Jackson Cheerios of the world. And I know that sounds silly because of the upside of those guys, but that's that's where I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I like McCormick too. I actually, if we if we hadn't mentioned him now, he was going to be the first player I would have discussed uh, in the next episode. Cause I have him okay. ranked at, at 31. So he's the start of my next tier. Uh, nice. So I'm not too far off from where you've got him. I had him on my team last year. I won the championship with him contributing. So I love Jazz McCormick. I, you know, he wasn't a prospect that was on people's radars. He's 28 years old now, late bloomer. Um, but like, he just like, and, and you know, there might be some questions about playing time with him, too. Like, you don't know. Like, if, if you're not sure Josh Lowe is going to play all season, like, you can't be sure Chaz McCormick is either. But right. he can just be really good when he does play. And um, I don't feel like you have to pay anything close to what you should based on um, the stats that he put up last season. So, like, I'm all for taking taking that shot on him to see if he can do it again. Um, I mean, on a per-game basis, like, or, or not even on a per game, just overall. Even not even the fact that he only played 115 games, had 457 plate appearances. He outproduced Michael Harris, Mike Trout, Jazz Chisholm, Randy Rosarena, uh, all those guys on a per. Well, that is on a per game basis. I'm sorry, but still, like that's that's pretty impressive that he was outproducing those guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I feel like he's like you're not having to pay for him just because people just aren't buying it, you know, and I kind of buy it. Um, I don't buy it so much with Lane Thomas. I do. I have him down at 36. So he is in that, that same tier with McCormick, but I'm just a little more skeptical about Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. I, the main reason I'm skeptical, he was also a late breakout. He's even later breakout. And 
Uh, his batting average is completely cratered in the second half of the season. So, like, I'm a little worried that that's, that's the real Lane Thomas, not the one we saw in the first half. Um, right. So, like, you know, I, I do think he's going to give you some category juice, but um, I, you know, I don't think he's going to give quite as much as he did last year. I mean, you look at the, the previous season, it was 17 homers and eight steals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it might be closer to that, or it could be, you know, somewhere in between, but. I, I just I have trouble believing a guy that you know is uh, this far into his career is just suddenly going to transform to you know have the numbers grow further from last year you know like to yeah. to start hitting 30 35 homers or to you know consistently be stealing 20 plus bases after he wasn't running that much before that so um and and again it was the he had 268 last year but that was all you know from that first half really so, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of out on him. I mean, I, I just think there's other guys that can give me, like, some steals and some home runs with a maybe even better batting average than him that I, you can get later. So, um, so yeah, he's probably not a guy I'm going to be reaching for at ADP. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably won't be reaching for him at ADP either, even though I have him a little higher than you. Kind of like the Brian Reynolds discussion, like Lane Thomas, I, I don't like paying for guys who have career years, you know? And if I if I have to, I just won't. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get someone else and let someone else draft him. Yeah, I just see names behind him in ADP, like Jordan Walker, Teoscar Hernandez, Marcelo Zuna, Jackson Churio. Like, I would take all those yep. guys over him. Yeah, and I mean, as as we're going through this, you know, sometimes this is therapeutic for me. Uh, so, so, you know, I might move the Jackson Cheerio, Wyatt Langford, Jordan Walker, to, uh, you know, above some of these guys. And also, it's nice to actually do a draft or two. <laughs> you know, I've been doing some mock drafts, but sometimes it's nice to actually see when the rubber hits the road, who do you actually pick? And, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to pass up a Jackson Cheerio uh, over, like, Elaine Thomas, for sure. I mean, once, it's, once you start getting those preseason hype, stories about jackson churio he's probably going to be going in the top 50 so right <laughs> get him prepared now. for that <laughs> yep. yeah draft all your teams in february that's the key to, <laughs> to winning money in fantasy baseball right <laughs> and listening to this show of course absolutely uh, so hope you enjoyed it um we will uh, be doing a second outfield episode probably early next week um and then we will move on to starting pitchers and relief pitchers uh, as we've done with all the other positions, uh, Bart and I will also post our outfield rankings up on the site, although we'll, we'll probably wait until after we do the second uh, episode uh, of outfield to do that. Um, and uh, in the meantime, if you have any questions, you can always reach out on Twitter. I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, share, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.